Good morning, all. So here we are. Another glorious Sunday morning. Here in the beautiful little town of Compton, Kansas. You can hear the sarcasm dripping from my next day. So, so it's kind of fun when you have kids and you get to talk to them about life before they were born. And it's like talking about ancient history. Tell them, told them, it's like, you know, we, used to, we lived in Lecompton for like six years. And they're like, what? Like, yes, indeed. Yep, yep. We weren't trailer trash, though. We were, we were mobile home, or manufactured home waste. So. <laughs> so. So, Jesus, we just, we thank you, God, for your word to us and um, your goodness. And God, what we pray this morning is that you would minister to us, God, with your word. God, that you would take my thoughts and organize them and, and, and say what you want to say this morning, Jesus. We just, we thank you for your great faithfulness to us. And God, our expectation is that you're going to meet us in this place this morning and, and minister as only you can. God, you, you broke the bread and gave it to the disciples to distribute Jesus. And this morning, that's what we're wanting. And it's for you to bring that word forth. God, as only you can do. Um, God, touch the, the the kids in the Sunday school. God, bless it. God, and put your word inside of them. And fill them up with uh, all that you are. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, go with me to Matthew chapter 8. slide backwards into seven just a bit. I don't know where I got that from, but um, uh, let's see. Sometimes it just helps if you have more stuff to read, too. It makes it take longer. One of the funniest things uh, when you very first start ministering or whatever, you know, you think, Oh man, this is going to be so great! I've got all this stuff to say. You realize it's going to take about five minutes, and so then you got to vamp a little bit and you know, kind of you know, show up late and, and all that. No, actually, yesterday I spent quite a bit of time in the Word, and it was just like, man, this is going to be great. And I got up this morning, and I kind of going over it, and I'm like, this is going to take five minutes. That is not, however, why I was running horrendously late this morning. So, uh, I think that's just because of who I am as a person. But uh, So, uh, in Matthew 7, then, we'll start in 24. Uh, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man, which has built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house on the sand. 
and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So this is kind of this is the end of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he um, So he's just spent the last few chapters um, saying that it was said of old, and then he quotes something from, from Moses, and he says, But I say unto you and, and he takes it into this place that has to do with the inside of you, not the outside of you. And um, so he just has spent all this time kind of turning these Jewish people's thinking on on its ear. And and then he says, so if you hear my sayings and do them, then it's like being founded on a rock. And if you don't, it's like being building your house on the sand. And... Uh, you know, I uh, knew some folks that lived in an apartment building that literally had no foundation. Had no, it, it, it didn't have any footings. They they like poured a slab, um, of course, but then built this place on top of it without having done it right. I, I don't know a whole lot about foundations and concrete and so forth, but um, you know this. The doorways in this place looked like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. You know, they weren't they weren't you know 90 degrees. You know, doors didn't shut, things like that. Big old settling cracks, like snaking out from the the doorways and stuff, because it didn't have a proper foundation. And so that's what he's talking about here. <clears throat> you now we were trying to rearrange our living room uh, over the weekend. Finally got our furniture back in there and everything. And uh, Cynthia wanted to take this opportunity to arrange it differently than we had it before, which I was fine with. Uh, but we we were trying to come up with how we were going to accomplish that and, and you know make it turn out the way I wanted it to turn out and make it the way that she wanted it to turn out. Because I'm typically not one of those guys that's just like, like, I don't know, I don't care, just however you want it. You know, I, I don't know. I have like my own idea of how it should look and makes it matters to me. Finally, I decided it wasn't worth uh, arguing about and told her she should just put it however she wanted it. But one of the things that I told her was that if it's not a right angle, it's a wrong angle. You know, I, and, you know, we talked about that for a while. And she's like, why? And I was like, well, it just is. It's like, I'm, maybe it's because I'm a guy. It's like everything has to be straight, you know, straight lines, 90 degree turns. It's like that's just how it should be. So, uh, but um, and we actually ended up putting the TV in the corner at a 45 degree angle, and and it's actually not bad. But everything else is straight. So kind of best of both worlds, right? So, but um, but if you're building your house, you don't want it like that. You don't want uh, you don't want oh well I think a 45 degree angle would be really pretty here, and if it's going to be something that compromises the integrity of the structure. So, uh, and so that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, he I just I love how he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount by saying, talking about how definitive this word is, 
that that this is you know this is this is the thing you know as as in in Hebrews you know uh, he starts out saying that you know that God who at sundry times in diverse manners had spoken to the fathers who the prophets has in these last days spoken to us through his son. G. Campbell Morgan wrote a great book about that called God's Last Word to Man. And it's awesome because Jesus is, of course, God's last word to man. It's definitive and final. And you know, I love it because if you have the last word in a, in a discussion, it doesn't mean that you're never going to talk about it again. It doesn't mean you're never going to talk to that person again. But that means that the issue is settled. That this is this is a definitive thing, and so that's what he's saying here about his word. And it says that the people were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Um, <clears throat> some people are pretty comfortable with authority, maybe too comfortable with authority, and some people are not comfortable with it. And. Uh, um, good example that comes to me off the top of my head would be um, uh, Mike and I at work when we have a problem. You know, you know Mike is like kind of the just hit it head on, bring the hammer down kind of personality, which is really good. I think that's great, and it's necessary. I'm usually more like, so, uh, you know, what do you think about maybe we could, you know, do something a little different here, you know, and... You know, obviously, I have authority there while I'm talking to these guys, but it's not the same approach, and it's not nearly as effective. Uh, you know, so, so Jesus is not talking about these things as if he's not making diffident suggestions. He's, you know, he's not. Uh, he's he's saying this this is this is the word of God. This is how it is. This is black and white. That's why we. It's even, you know, eventually made its way into slang that that if something is gospel, that means that it's it's unchangeable. It's written in stone. That's just how it is. And uh, um, I've never been one to uh, like seriously state my opinions that way because I recognize them as opinions. (laughs) But uh, um, but so these people are hearing something that's different than what they've heard before. And it said that he that he taught them as one having authority. So this word authority, um, you got you know, uh, Ron re- referenced recently that um, sermon that Mark Rutland did, Power, Not Power. Because, of course, the, the Greek is so much more precise than English. And, uh, and they, they trans- I mean, if you, you look in the concordance, you look up a, a Greek word, and and it'll uh, I've got this app that you can look at it and it'll tell you well it was translated as this English word this many times this English word this many times and uh, and it's funny it's like why wouldn't you just translate it as the same word every time doesn't it isn't that just what it means it's silly me you know but um, this is the Greek word exousia and this means authority power and that's why they translate it as authority. Um, it also means um, they translated it as some other things. I can't think off, off the top of my head, but uh, you know, this is a this is not like an ability type of power. This isn't a you know uh, a strength power. Uh, of course, that's the word dunamis, uh, and that's actually the word that he used in Matthew six, and in, in what we always think of as the Lord's Prayer. 
where he says, Thine is the power of the kingdom and the glory forever. And that's dunamis power, which is this this ability, this strength power that comes, that's just inherent in the very nature of, of what you're talking about. So so the, the, that power then of God is, is simply inherent then because of who he is, because of what he is. And so... Uh, but that's not the kind of power he's talking about here. He's talking about authority power. And you guys have heard this a hundred times, but uh, you know, this is just like the, the policeman that needs backup, so he calls on the radio, and so they send more police. And if that's not good enough, they send the state troopers. If that's not good enough, they send the National Guard. If that's not enough, they send the Army. And that's, that's the kind of uh, uh, authority that he's talking about here. Um, you know, if you're an authority on a subject, then uh, you know that subject inside and out, and and people can listen to what you have to say about it and and trust it because you're an authority on the matter. So uh, so so Jesus is is talking these things about the Word of God that is totally different than what they thought, totally different than than what they had been taught by the. Uh, by the Pharisees, because a lot of what they had been taught was simply the traditions of men, uh, and or and or were taught the the you know the law of Moses, but with this this spin that had that had everything to do with um, and this is how you get to heaven is is doing this right, um, and and you can see that because when Jesus had to drive the, the money changers out of the temple, they were selling animals to be sacrificed. So um, it's a lot it's a lot uh, less personal than if you simply just have. It's like paying a ticket. You know, the, like them showing up at the temple to do their sacrifice. They don't have an animal with them. It's like, yeah, there'll be some there. I can buy one. It's like getting pulled over and having to pay a ticket. It's not. Not the same thing as the cost of, you know, it's like I raised this animal and now I'm going to have to kill it and, and all that. Um, so, so then he's so he's teaching them with with an authority that that they that they recognize. So here in eight, it says when he has come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, and he touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, See, you tell no man, but go your way and show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Now, the great thing about the next two or three chapters of Matthew is they, they don't necessarily follow a, a chronological order, uh, but they are grouped together to show that uh, Jesus having authority over all of these different things because, of course, Matthew is telling you that Jesus is the king. And so you know, he, he has power over illness. He has power over sin. And so this guy comes in and, uh, you know, and, and, he, says, um, and he says, if you're willing. I like that because the, you know, King James, like, if thou wilt, you know, it sounds far less personable to us, far less easy to identify with, but he said, if you're willing, you could make me clean. And, uh, you know, and of course, isn't that how we pray? It's like, you know, God, I know that if, if, if you want to, you could do this thing. 
you know. And and that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. He said that uh, uh, that if we pray anything according to His will, we'll have it. So you know, knowing what that will is is obviously uh, a really good thing. But he says, um, well, he's saying, you know, if if you're willing, you can do this. And I think a lot of times that's kind of where we break down faith-wise in, in prayer. It's like, well, I don't know if this is what God wants to do or not. So it's really tough for me to just take this and say, you know, it's like, God, I, I really need you to do this. And I know you're going to do it because cause I'm asking you. Because in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, I don't know if this is what he wants to do or not, you know. And uh, so... Um, the great thing about uh, this this God of authority is that that He's He's just sovereign, you know? and so we can we can rest in the in the things that He does, the decisions that He makes. Um, there's a great song uh, um, uh, says that "What if God says no?" and uh, and it's a really interesting song talking tells these. It's kind of a story type of song about these. The verses talk about these different situations where somebody's praying for something really desperate and and God answers with a no because he has a purpose for it. Uh, and then and then it goes to talking about Jesus in the garden and and then uh, uh, praying that the cup would pass from him. And uh, uh, and then uh, it's like uh, and it says something to the effect of, you know, and as, as much as it hurt, God couldn't say yes to his son. What if God says no? And and so it's a really precious song, though you'd have to hear it. But uh, um, but he's he's a sovereign God, and so this guy comes to him and says, you know, if, if you know if you're willing, you could make me clean. And of course Jesus is willing. Of course he he would want to set him free from this this thing that he's that he's dealing with, because this this kind of thing shouldn't shouldn't even have been among his people if they hadn't. Um, drifted so far away from him, then uh, Jesus wouldn't have come to find a, a nation filled with, with with leprosy and illness and blindness and and, and lame and, and all this stuff. And so, of course, Jesus says, "Of course, I'm willing." And, and I like it because I mean, it says that he touched him, uh, and he just says, "I'm willing. Be clean." You know, no, no great. Um, no great show of power, you know, and uh, you probably all worked with somebody or for somebody that that always had to remind you that they were in charge. You know, and the, the more often someone has to remind you in charge, the more you know that they are not comfortable being in charge, and that they don't really believe that they're in charge, and they know that you don't believe they're in charge either. And so. Um, Jesus doesn't make a big deal out of any of that. He just says, "Okay, I will be clean," and and so it is. You know, and and that's that's what authority does. It's like, well, I say it, it happens. And of course, the the, the church in the United States has taken that and run with it to to come up with all kinds of crazy doctrines. You know, if if, if I could, you know. If I could say to my car, it's like, be thou Camaro, you know. It's like, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't do that, right? But, um, you know, but why stop there? It's like, you know, be thou Maserati. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could just take that and, and go with it. It's like, God's not limited by my maker model, you know. But, 
So anyway, so so obviously Jesus touched him, but the power of his word made this guy clean because he had authority, and uh, he had authority over the this uh, this leprosy that this guy had. Now here's what I wanted to actually get to. Now when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes. To another come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So I want to go back and go over a little bit more about what he said here. Because you can read over it, but it's uh, really interesting. Um, Again, another one of those things that we miss in the English is uh, this this phrase, for I... um, in the in the the Greek is more like I also. So he could see in Jesus this authority then, and he and he recognized what it was, and because he says I am also a man under authority, and this this word you know, under is a good word, but it it really does no no violence to the the meaning of it to say I am a man of authority. And and so this this word has to do with being uh, appointed to a place and being set in a place, and that this is where he belongs. So he's. Uh, but under is really important, uh, a really important connotation to have there because you can't you can't wield authority if you can't submit to authority, you know, and that's that's the problem with with a dictator. It's like, you know, he has this just absolute authority, but, but nobody tells him what to do. He has no kind of accountability to anyone. Well, I talked about that, I think, a week or two ago. <clears throat> you know, when I, when, I, when I worked for Kevin and uh, now being my own boss, like, I don't like people telling me what to do. And, unless I don't know what to do, then I don't mind. But, <clears throat> you know, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, but if you're going to... Uh, Tell people what to do. If you're going to do it right, you have to be able to be told what to do, and and be okay with that. Um, uh, you know, a great example uh, is you know David going out and shepherding sheep. He he had to come to this place of knowing that well, if I'm going to lead, then I can't, um, you know, I can't uh, I can't push them. I can't beat on them and, and, and shout at them and all that. I'm going to have to lead them. And uh, <clears throat> and that's one of those those moments where you just feel like your flesh is nailed to the wall. Nothing like looking at the man in the mirror and shuddering. <clears throat> we were you know, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and one of them being gentleness. And... Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, it's funny how you can uh, you, know, you can have somebody you know poke at your authority long enough that that you feel like you have to remind them who's in charge, and then you stop being gentle. And uh, um, 
that's that, that's me. But uh, the great thing is, is God knows how to fix it, and that's that's my confidence. Uh, there's, there's nothing like uh, trying to get around for church in the morning and you know, threatening to destroy people and uh, on your on your way out the door. And yeah. now, actually, we need to sit down and have more of a family meeting. But uh, but I, I did tell everybody, look, this is not working. So apparently we're going to have to take this to the next level. We will do as I say. But anyway. Uh, so to the centurion, though, he said, you know, I tell this guy go, and he goes. You know, and, and his expectation is that, of course, he's going to just go when he tells him to go because he's under authority. Because the centurion... He's got people that that are over him, and um, and he's got people under him. That's an interesting place to be. If you have you have people that you are in charge of, but you have also have people that are in charge of you, because then if the people underneath you are giving you grief, guess who's going to give you grief? <laughs> the people over you, and and so that's why all that unpleasantness runs downhill. Um, because there's nothing like having to be held accountable for the things that other people do. Not fun. So, but he says here that he's a man of authority. And so, so he tells Jesus that if you just, if you say that this is going to happen, that's good enough for me. Because I recognize the, the governmental authority that you're working under. I don't know what government it is, but... Because it's not the Roman government, but I can see that with what what you say happens, and so that's that's plenty good enough for me. And and I love it because Jesus looks at all the the Jews and is like, "Wow, I haven't found any Jews that believe me like that, that that would trust God like that. That's interesting." And he says, "So I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven." But the children of the kingdom should be cast out into outer darkness, and there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that should have been one of those taking the, rec- the needle off the record moments for all of the all of those Jews standing there. It's like, what, what, what do you mean? Because of course he's talking about bringing the Gentiles in to be those children of Abraham, uh, and then the children of the kingdom being cast out. It's like so. Because the Jews had this idea that, well, because we belong to this kingdom, we can do no wrong, and and you know we've kind of got a carte blanche to do whatever we want. And uh, <clears throat> and Jesus is, of course, going to let them know throughout the Gospels that that's not so. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, um, Jesus says to the centurion, "Go thy way." And as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. And you can go and read this in Luke and in John also. And tells this story. And tells you a little bit different um, perspective uh, in each one. Uh, in, in Luke, it still tells you that he's a centurion, but he doesn't even come himself. He sends his uh, servants. And then when Jesus is on the way there, he sends his friends to tell them that, that oh, never mind. Uh, or you know, don't, don't trouble him or whatever. And uh, um, so, it, and it just has like a different perspective each time. But in Matthew, he tells you that he talks about this centurion, and they have this conversation about authority. 
because of course Jesus is the king. And uh you know, it tells you <clears throat> sorry, it tells you that this guy was healed in the very same hour that Jesus said it. And you know it's funny because in the church we tell testimonies like that and we get all goosebumpy about it like ooh like I can't believe that happened. It's like isn't that how it's supposed to work? <laughs> you know? I mean we, we get excited when it happens and, and we should. Uh but uh but shouldn't that be our expectation that that what what he said he's gonna do, he's gonna do. And I and I think it all kind of comes back to that that guy that said if if you're willing, you, know, you could make me clean. It's like so we have to settle in our heart. Then it's like okay, so I'm talking to the the seed of all power and authority here. Is is he willing to do this for me? And it's like the answer would be yes. Of course he is. Now, like I said, if you're you know you're praying for a Bentley, maybe not, but. Um, but he he uh, he has this purpose for your life, and and he wants you to come through successful. He wants you to be victorious. And you know, uh, C.S. Lewis said that um, if anything, God doesn't find our desires too strong; he finds them too weak. He said that we're like we're like a child content to play with our little plastic sailboat in a mud puddle because we we couldn't comprehend what what is meant by asking if we want to go on holiday at sea. And so we're content with our little plastic boat and our little mud puddle. And, um, and, and yet God is saying, actually, I was thinking, you know, see this really awesome yacht? You know, I was thinking of taking you out on the yacht. And I was thinking of taking you on the cruise ship that has like a, you know, a pool and free Wi-Fi. And, and you know, I was thinking of taking you someplace pretty and warm. It's like, oh, okay, that sounds way better than, you know, sitting here with my galoshes and my, uh, you know, shivering and playing in the mud. It sounds way more fun. But we don't think about the things that God's Word tells us like that. So, uh, so God has this authority then. He has this, this governmental power and He confers it on His people because if you're an ambassador, which Paul said that we were ambassadors for Christ, then that same uh, exusa power is in us. And so, uh, you know, a great example, I think, uh, would be when the spies come to Jericho and they tell Rahab that, uh, get everybody in your house, everything's going to be cool, we'll see the scarlet thread, nothing's going to happen to you. And they get back and they're telling Joshua, they're all excited, and Joshua's thinking, you said her house is on the wall, huh? Like, yeah, yeah, right there. It'll be real easy to see the thread. Okay, because God said the walls were coming down. So, but you read that story and the walls do in fact come down, but Rahab's house is untouched because God honored what these guys said and so so we have that kind of authority we have that kind of power in in god um and got my mirror out there's plenty plenty more for us to learn about that and you know the the church has by and large lost 
the the understanding of what that means and how and how this stuff works. But um, that's why God's talking to us about seeking Him and, and drawing near to Him and getting that understanding and and having that that spirit of God. You know, I, I talked to Ron recently. I was like, so you know, it's like God keeps really blessing the Word and everything, but you know, everything else just sort of seems like oh hum, you know. And he's like, okay, so, so you know, God's established that this thing is working in your life, and now He's taking you to the next thing, because it's like basically everything else in your life is not working like this is working. So, so He's upping the ante for you. It's like so, so seek Me then, and you know, and and that you know, obviously that works for all of us, you know, because all of us have something that's like, well, this is not really working like it should, or or whatever. In our life, and um, and of course the the answer to it is is found in, in seeking Him, and and you have to seek Him, understanding that that He's willing to do the thing that you need, you know, and because he, He's not going to talk to you about, um, you know, come come get this thing from me, and then not give it to you. So, uh, but you may have to seek it. You know, seeking is not the same as just going over and picking something up. Cynthia lost her keys at Thanksgiving, and we sought them and sought them and sought them because I'm thinking about how much it costs to get a fob with remote start on it and get a key with a chip because you have to get them from the dealership, which you know, as soon as you say dealership, the price just doubled. And I'm like, Ugh. So we sought and sought and sought. We're calling people. Have you seen my keys? Have you blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then... After about five weeks, when we had finally just given up all hope that they were ever going to turn up, they did. So, yeah, yeah, they they like were way way down in the couch at my parents' house. Yeah, my my parents who never move anything, who never rearrange anything, were digging around, you know, taking Christmas stuff down. Like, hey, here's Cynthia's keys. So, yep. So, so God's good to us like that, but. Uh, but it takes seeking, right? So, Jesus, we thank you for your word to us, your great faithfulness and love. And, God, what we pray is that you would draw us uh, after you, that you have uh, invited us uh, to come and find you in that secret place, God, and to, to fellowship with you there, God, and to learn of you these things, God, and to gain that uh, that understanding, you know, that we might walk in that that same kind of power, you know, that we would recognize in you that power, and and you know how to make all of these things come together uh, for us and through us and to us and in us. You know, we we want uh, your will accomplished in us, God. And even even if we don't understand exactly what you're doing, Jesus, our faith is that you know what you're doing. And that you know how to get it done, God. And so we're content with that. God, when, when, when you're under authority, and you don't have to see the big picture. You just have to do the things that, that are put before you to do. And God, I pray that each of us would be content with that very thing, God, as you are building your temple. God, we want to be content to do the thing that you put in front of us to do. And be content that you have the, the big picture all, uh, all squared away. God, we just praise you this morning. I just pray that in this place you would do as only you can do. That in every heart you would accomplish exactly what you want. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen, amen.